But you would be so shocked on how a golf club setup changes the ability for your body to make a golf swing. And so people think of club fitting as this very like, okay, well, I'm going to go get measured like a suit. Somebody's going to just take some measurements and go, you know, you kind of like this and here's what you should play. It's not like that. That's not club fitting. And welcome to episode 28 of the Graph Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. Today we are talking all about club fitting. And to do that, we brought on Nick Sherburn, the founder of Club Champion, which is one of the top club fitting companies in the United States. Among the questions we get into in this conversation, first of all, is club fitting something even high handicap golfers should consider? Spoiler alert, the answer is definitely yes. Should you take lessons first before getting fit, or is it the opposite way around? We get that question a lot. And what can you expect from the fitting process? This is a great introduction to anyone who has thought, ah, I, I don't know if getting fit for clubs is worth it. This pod will provide you with everything you need to know so you can make an educated decision on that. And I have to mention this up front, one of the biggest reservations against club fitting is cost, which is a totally understandable concern. But Nick's explanation for why it is worth the money is pretty compelling. Even if you're still not going to do it, you have to admit that Nick kind of makes you think about it a little bit harder in this conversation. And of course, before we get into the conversation with Nick, a reminder that you can find out more about Graph Golf and our smart golf ball and analytics platform at graph.golf. You can sign up for our newsletter there and click on the club to see more articles and podcasts that we have produced recently. A lot of really good stuff on our site. And with that, here is our conversation with Nick Sherburn, founder of Club Champion. And now we welcome Nick Sherburn of Club Champion onto the Graph Golf podcast. Nick, thank you for coming on to talk to us about club fitting. Uh, we're hoping to debunk some myths that our, some of our listeners may have about this process. So very excited to get into that. But before that, what led you to club fitting in the first place? I think you've been in, in the business for, for a while, but what led you to club fitting and then ultimately to, uh, to start Club Champion? I got bit by the golf bug after my eighth grade year um, and uh, never picked up a golf club till that point and had me like the grandma hand me down set of golf clubs. And, you know, I, I played with them and it was horrible. And uh, I slowly realized, like, I need clubs that fit a guy my size. And so it was interesting. I, I you know, I grew up in a small town, central Illinois kind of thing. And so, you know, every there wasn't a lot of resources and you used your hands. And so, as I got into the golf world and my family, after my freshman year in high school, moved up to Chicagoland area, I said, you know, I got to find a way to make these golf clubs work for me. So, uh, you know, I asked I got, I got, asked a lot of questions. I, I, I went around and saw a lot of people and slowly I picked up on how to do these things. And it turned into like a mini business for me in high school of re-gripping, extending, doing stuff like that. And um it kind of just started spurring it from there. I, it's funny. I, I, I took a job as a, a bag drop at uh, Cog Hill where they used to have the Western Open. And I tell everybody, I go, you know, I, I would meet all these people and I learned from them. And then during the Western Open, you know, uh, they would, you know, the tour would come to town and these trailers would walk up and I'd watch these tour players go back and forth these trailers. And I'd be like, what is going on? And they're like, well, they're tweaking this, they're tweaking that, they're doing this. And me, you know, I think any golfer when they're young, especially if they start golf young, Everybody has this tour dreams, right? 
And I'm like, well, if the best players in the world are doing this, why aren't the rest of us doing this? And we're talking in the late 90s. So, like, it wasn't even like technology was a huge thing yet, but they were still doing these, like, tweaks, you know, opening faces, closing faces, uh, playing around with different shafts and stuff. And so, you know, it kind of spurred to me, you know, everybody's like, well, Nick, they don't do that because nobody will buy it. And I'm like, well, that's funny. I have no money. I'm a poor high schooler. You know, my family doesn't really have the bucks and I've had to do all this on my own. And I would still try to find a job or work more hours at Cog Hill in order to do that. If that's what it's going to take to get me to play better golf, then I would do that. And that's kind of where it springboarded from there was, you know, I was going to take this idea that I felt like golf had boxed us into, you know, you're a certain level player. So you get this and you're a certain level player. So you won't buy this. And I'm like, no, what if I just said it was all about performance and we could get you the best performing golf clubs and take the dollar signs kind of out of it. It is what it is. Let's let's focus on performance and how much how much better we can be at the game, how much more we can enjoy the game and grow in the game. And I think the investment is minimal for most folks to do that. And it just kind of spurred out of control since then. I mean, it's 24 years later at this point. So, you know, here we are. And uh, Club Champion was established in 2010, uh, correct? So it, oh, it's been yes. uh, 12 years or so? Well, we when I say 24 years, it's because it's actually 24 years. We just did a name change in 2010. So okay, okay. what happened was is I started, um, you know, from that point on, we had this small repair business. And then in 2000, we actually made it like an actual storefront. And it was called EJL Custom Golf. And then in 2005... Uh, I was doing college and doing that at the same time. When I finally graduated college and I could focus on the business full time, we opened up, our, uh, we had this, you know, full time store. I started going, well, we should put another one in Chicago. So we built out another one in Chicago. We had two stores um, in Chicago until 2010. And uh, at that point, I had uh, a great little business called EJL Custom Golf. And I met a golfer. Uh, it's a funny story. This is why golf is such a great game in general. I happen to have some customers, you know, you meet so many great people out there. In fact, I think I was telling you before, I'm going to Florida tomorrow to play golf with customers, people that walked in and, you know, we hit it off. And not only do they have these great clubs that they appreciate, but they want to, you know, play golf with me. So I'm going there to play golf. But same kind of thing. Somebody asked me, hey, you want to go play Olympia Fields? Well, here's a great country club that I probably can't ever play. So yes, I want to play. And so you go down there and you know, sure enough, I they asked another gentleman to come in. His name was Joe Lee, and we ended up playing, you know, Olympia Fields. And, you know, it's funny because he had been, a, he, you know, just getting warmed up. I'm learning about him. He's like, yeah, I play golf at Marquette. And, you know, I've been a member at Olympia for three or four years. And he was right in between things, that businesses he was doing. And uh, we start playing. I see his driver. It's spinning to the moon. He's not hitting it anywhere. He's got a funny little forward press on his putt. He's drilling putts into the ground. Now, he's a good player, so he's, he's figuring out how to compensate for it. But I keep telling him, I'm like, man, if we got you driver with less spin, he'd hit another 20 yards. we get you that putter with some loft on there. You wouldn't be drilling putts. You'd be making more putts. And so long story is we get done with the round, and I kind of followed up with him, and I made sure he got in and got fitted. And it really changed his game. And he goes, Nick, you know, it's funny. You've told me about this business. I think it's a great business. He goes, I can't believe the difference it made for me. And he goes, think about me. I'm a great player. I have the ability to do this. There's got to be hundreds of thousands of people like me that just don't know the importance of golf clubs. And even though they have the means and the resources and everything to do it, he goes, they just don't do it because they don't know. And I said, exactly. 
So he came in and he helped me. I mean, I was 26 at the time. So he came in, he helped me uh, try to reorganize, you know, take what I know, club fitting, club building, help bring some business, you know, basics to it. And here we are, you know, and he's still a partner, you know, we're both partners in the business still today, uh, 12 years later, and we've gone from two stores to 90. So uh, it's been a fun run. And it hasn't been, is it mostly in the U.S. at this point or is it anything international? You know, we, um, it is, it's, it's in 90 stores in the U S we just started last month. Uh, well, we've been working on it for a year. COVID made it a little bit more difficult, but we're, we're, we're branching to, um, other parts of the world. So, you know, our first one was, and w- what we decided to do is we're like, okay, there's a lot of reasons why you don't see club champions, like competitors to club champions everywhere. It is a very hard business. There's a lot of moving parts. You have to have the best fitters. You have to have all these vendors that agree with the way you do things. Because again, we don't sell them like they're used to selling them and all this. And so, you know, we decided instead of trying to go to these other countries and figure it out on our own, which could be very difficult, uh, why don't we find like-minded people? I call it, why don't we find people that were like Nick at EJL Custom Golf circa 2007? And then use them and give them the tools and the roadmap we used here in the States to bring club fitting to that country in a wide, you know, presence. So the first one we did was in Canada with TXG, which has a great online presence. Um, They do have two, you know, when you actually look at their business um, in Toronto, they have two stores, very similar to what I had in Chicago size and everything. And so all we're doing is we're not going to change anything they're doing today other than Here's the roadmap and the resources to get your brand and your message to more people within the Canadian borders. And we'll be announcing one um, next week. So you you probably have the exclusive um, where we bought a company in the UK that just closed on Tuesday. And it's very simple. It's called Golf Principles. Um, and another gentleman, just like me, I call it circa 2007, passionate, great club fitter, knows how to do it. And again, we'll give them the business acumen, the resources to grow and throughout the UK and Scotland area. So, I mean, what I really wanted to get into was uh, we hear this all the time. I'm sure you hear hear this all the time, that if you're not a good player, if you're, you know, a 20, 25 handicap, club fitting doesn't matter because you're not good enough for it to matter. You hear that sentiment all the time when you're around golf and you hear, oh, this is for professionals, elite amateurs, really great players. Those are the ones that club fitting actually matters for. What is the first thing that you tell somebody when they come in and they, they, they say that exact thing? First of all, it's insanity. And I hear it from within the industry. I hear it from industry professionals that are like, yeah, that person doesn't really, I'm like, you guys are nuts. And so here's the way I look at it. It's, it's and I don't even need, you know, you're, you're going to hear from me, but you got to come into the store to really understand it. You got to get in a fitting bay to really understand it. But you would be so shocked on how a golf club setup changes the ability for your body to make a golf swing. And so people think of club fitting as this very like, okay, well, I'm going to go get measured like a suit. Somebody's going to just take some measurements and go, you know, you kind of like this and here's what you should play. It's not like that. That's not club fitting. That's that's maybe 30 years ago because that's all there was. But club fitting is truly... It's all those things, but it's also getting a golf club, a timing device. It's getting something that your body can swing, can get to the positions you need to get to, make the turns you need to make, and time it all out. And so whether you're a beginner golfer or you're a tour player, 
it doesn't matter. Like if you don't have that tool in order to make that move, that swing, you're, you're done. And so when I sit there and a 25 handicapper tells me, I don't even know if I'm in the right place. Maybe I should go take lessons. And I talk about this on XM radio with like Michael breathe all the time. And he's a great teacher. And, 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 you know, he can't agree more. It's like, I can't do my job for that person because they have golf clubs that don't allow them to make the move that I need them to make anyway. And so when people come to me and they go, I'm not good enough, or should I go take lessons first? I'm like, you need to go take lessons. But if you don't have golf clubs that can allow you to even be meaningful in those you know, lessons, then you're stuck. And so I always tell them, I go, listen, you're, if you're coming in with a 25 handicap, it's great. We probably don't need to go all in. We don't need to get the Rolls Royce of golf clubs, all that, unless you want it. And then you can tell me that. We're going to try to find the most value for you in the sense of let's get golf clubs to perform without breaking the bank. It could be just tweaking your clubs. It could be reshafting your clubs. It could be getting all new clubs, but it's all going to be data-driven. And at least from that point on, you're going to have golf clubs that aren't impeding your ability to make the golf swing you need to make. And guess what? You won't be stuck at 25 handicap. Mm. So somebody walks into a club champion, what happens? What is the first step in their progression to actually getting fit for clubs? Absolutely. So the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get greeted and you're going to sit down and we're going to have a, we call it the sit down, right? And it's basically an area for where you and the fitter get to know each other. It's very important that this is an open dialogue. Your fitter is going to give you a lot of information. They're going to, they're going to show you the data and they're going to prove out that data and all that. But at the end of the day, they need feedback from you as well. I mean, this experience isn't just about us telling you what it, it's also about you giving feedback. Now, you have to understand that sometimes the feedback and information you give might need to be realigned based off science facts and it's all happens in front of you, but it's good to start that dialogue. Get to get to know, we want to know where do you play? How often do you play? Do you practice? Do you take lessons? Have you ever had a club fitting experience so we can let understand what you think that you're getting into, but we want you to be completely comfortable when you walk into that fitting bay that you have a rapport with your fitter and that you understand how the experience is going to go. And also that we set proper goals. It kills me when I see, you know, whether you're going to a lesson, you're going to a fitting, and you don't have goals before you start. Because if you don't have goals, you're never going to accomplish anything. And the whole foundation of this business we built on, you know, everybody goes, well, you're in business to sell golf clubs. Well, of course I'm in the business to sell golf clubs. But it's with a purpose. And so to have a goal going into it so that we make sure we solve that goal, that's how I sell golf clubs. And that's how we train our folks to sell golf clubs is find out what their goal is. You may even be able to make their goal better, Okay. And that's how you do it. Meet the goals. And so it's all performance based. And that's what that sit down's first to do. So after you have that sit down, does it start with taking measurements? Like you're saying, kind of the, the old stuff, just trying to get to the that physical stuff first? Or what's the next step? Well, no. So you have to sit down and you get to know it. Next thing you're going to do is you're going to go into the fitting bay. And, you know, yeah, the fitter's probably going to take some behind the scenes. I wouldn't say behind the scenes. It's happening there. But they're probably not sitting there getting you involved yet. They want you just to get relaxed in the bay. But they're looking at your golf equipment. They're taking some measurements and stuff like that. But we're not, you know, there's some places you go and they look at your golf clubs. And before you even swung a golf club, they're like, well, look, your clubs are built wrong and all this. And I'm like, well, I mean, you don't even know how, out of fairness to the customer, you don't even know how well they swing those golf clubs yet. So why even try to tell them their golf clubs don't work until you know? So I'm not as big on, you know, obviously they're going to go over there and take some measures they need to know, but they're not going to talk to you about it yet. You're going to get in there, you're going to get loosened up, and you're going to kind of figure out, you know, get comfortable in your your surroundings. 
Hmm. And then what we're going to do is we're going to hand you your golf club, whatever we're starting with, driver, six iron. And we're going to get a baseline with your golf clubs and not of the data. What is it producing? Your club head speed, your ball speed, your launch angle, uh, your spin rate, your distances, your dispersion, all that stuff. And we're going to walk you through it. We're going to walk you through those numbers and get you educated because I want every golfer to leave with empowered that they got all their questions answered, but also they understand the process of it. Um, I always equate the, the sales process we put together. Um, when I go to buy a car, I don't know anything about cars. I did grow up in a farm community and I'm pretty good with, you know, machinery, but I can't talk the lingo for whatever reason. Wouldn't it be great if you could leave and talk the lingo? Well, no one's just ever taught me that lingo. And so one of the things we try to do at the beginning of the fit is teach some of the lingo, teach some of them to understand why a golf ball flies and what causes a golf ball to fly so that as they're going through the process, they can actually go with us. They can understand it. They can digest it. And so we do all that right up front and we try to circle in on what we're going to try to improve, whether it's ball speed, launch, spin, probably all of them uh dispersion but you know we're trying to get them to truly understand it and how the machine reads it and so that they can you know all that and so that's kind of the start and once we get going through that process um and we get them you know understanding all that and you know one of the i'm going to back up for two seconds i think this is a key point for uh, every one of your listeners and i i can't say it enough the usga has put a limitation on what these these golf clubs can do right and right. so what most golfers don't realize is that there are there is a perfect golf club for you. It's physics, because if we know what your body can do, club head speed, attack angle, path, all those things, and we know what the limitation of the, the USGA has put on these golf clubs, there is an optimal golf club for you. Launch, spin, ball speed, everything. And I think most golfers don't realize that. And that's what we're trying to educate you on is here's the peak of the mountain now that we have this. Let's see how high up on we can get on it. Maybe we can get to the top and wave a flag. So that's our goal from that place in is, is to, they, they're now educated. They know where the top of the mountain is. Now they have to go with us down this journey of climbing it. And so we break you into an experiment, okay? So we want to break up individual, um, you know, variables throughout this. So the first thing we tackle is we get a head very similar to what you have now, maybe even the same head you have now. And we start playing with shafts. And we start with the shaft because that's what's connected to your body. And so we start playing with these shafts and we're gonna hit three or four shots with each shaft and the head's never gonna change. And so we'll itemize each one of those shafts in the system. And you're gonna see how the shafts and the progression as we work through these different weights and flexes, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you find that perfect shaft that gets you that consistency, that ball speed you need, okay? You can't fix everything with the shaft. But we're really looking, can we get can we get this golfer consistent and can we get their max ball speed? If we have those two things, we can now move on to the head. And, you know, I guess I'll uh, I'll stop for a sec. But most people ask me, they go, hey, Nick, why do you only hit three or four balls with each shaft? I go, I had a guy, one of my first fittings I ever did, circa 99 or something. He goes, Nick, if you keep letting me hit, the, he, he's a two-time U.S. Uh, senior champ and a British senior open champ. He goes, Nick, if you let me keep hitting this, I'll just hit it. He's a good player. He's like, I'll just figure out a way to hit it. I go, I never thought about it like that. He goes, well, the way I look at it is you wouldn't walk into a shoe store. You put on a shoe and the, the salesman goes, it'll stretch a little, so don't worry. No, you, you put on a shoe, you want it to fit. He goes, the way, same way I think about it with club fitting with you. He goes, I want a golf club that when I pick it up, 
I hit it good. I'm like, fair. And that's what you're going to see at Club Champions, like this aha moment when you're working through these products. If you are if you hit one out of four good, it's not the right shaft. Mm. But if you're hitting three out of four good, it probably might be the right shaft. So that's the whole point of that process. And then we flip the experiment. Shaft will become the constant. And then the head will become the variable. And we work through the same thing. And we just keep, you know, once we get that head shaft, then we can zero in on some of the other stuff like lie and grip and all that. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're, I mean, you're touching on this a lot, but you know, there's always a, a question in instruction over like the science versus the art of instruction, how much you're looking at analytics purely versus what the eye test is telling you, what you're just, what you're, what you're looking at. What is the balance in club fitting uh, compared to instruction in your opinion, just in terms of how much is pure analytics and how much is pure, just kind of looking at the, 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 the client and trying to figure out what's best for them. Sure. I, well, I think from a club fitter standpoint, where it's it's almost pure analytics in a sense, mm. and then where the where the art comes is when the customer gives us the feedback, right? Mm. And so what happens is is the customer, and it sometimes it, the club fitter can pick up on it even before the customer because they can just tell by body language or whatever. I know this might be working, but I hate it, um, and so. And that's fair. I mean, the goal here is is to get you in the best performing golf club. Okay, so we that's why we attach to this because it's pure science that says this works. Then there's the human element that has to like what they have in their golf bag, has to like putting it down, has to like swinging it, right? And so you know, some people, most people will come in and they'll be like, "I'll just do whatever is the best," and they don't care about that. There's plenty of people that do. But the good news is, is there's not always one golf club that'll solve the issue, right? And so this goes back to you, you know, one of the earlier questions you asked. That's why the sit down and getting to know the customer, the client, the golfer is so important so that you can open up this dialogue. Because I've seen it throughout the years. You get people that come in and they're so timid and they don't want to ask questions. And it's like, no, 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 we want you to ask questions. Now, you have to accept the answer sometimes that you're not going to want. But a lot of times you're going to get, if you just give us the feedback, we might be able to work around something and get you where you want to be anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's where it's it's very important that the golfer asks as many questions as they can. If they're curious about it, do it. You know, people all the time, like, well, I shouldn't say all the time, but one of the feedbacks we get is they're like, well, I didn't feel like I get to try everything. Well, of course you can't try everything. No, I don't, I don't, you would be very tired and it would take days. Uh, possible. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I go, that's where like, you know, it was, something was lost in translation. Listen, the fitter has so many swings to work with you and needs to get to the answer, right? But at the end of the day, this is also your experience. So if you have something you want to hit, you just got to speak up. And the fitter most of the time will go, let me figure out what I need to figure out first. So we get those swings. And then as we go, if we still have gas left, we'll do it. Worst case, if you had to come back later, I'll let you hit those. But I, I do need to get my work done you know, in order to make sure you get the best performance first. But, you know, there's a, when it comes to an art, there's all kinds of stuff that we can do to marriage performance and all these other arch, you know, things. You just have to be able to give us the feedback, you, you know, we need. Does it help to have a, like, especially in this day and age where pe people have a lot of analytics at their disposal and they're, they may be going to the range and gathering a lot of data coming into you know, a club champion location, does that help or does it hinder the process? Do you want to start from scratch when you're just looking at somebody or if somebody has like, if they know that their driver spin is, you know, 3000 RPMs and they have that information, they know it, they've 
they have it over years of data and they bring that in. Is that helpful or do you not want to look at something like that? Well, I'll look at anything. I mean, I think any kind of good data is good for a club fitter. Um, now, at the end of the day, it just might be affirmation to what the fitter is going to see that day, right? Right. Yeah. right. And so, you know, once we get, you know, if somebody handed me that at the beginning, I'm like, this is great stuff. You got good stuff here. My brain's already thinking probably what we got to solve. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to get in there and hopefully we see it. If we continue to see it, great. We're going to solve that. And then by the time you go collect more data, you're going to see how it changes. Um, so, I mean, I'm a fan of data. Um, I don't think any fitter is going to turn down any information that they can get. More information we have, the easier it is to do a fit. I mean, you know, one of the biggest technologies I think that's great now is Arcos. And we're trying to get as many people to buy Arcos. Now, I, I'm partnered with Arcos because I like their brand and I like the people. And I think it's going to be around for a long time. And I like partnering with companies I think will be around for a long time. But there's other analytic groups out of there that do it. I think those things are, I don't care if you're a beginner golfer or a professional, I think that's great information. And some people go, Nick, it's information overload. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think you can digest it when you want it, how much of it you want. It's just collecting data and getting it. And when you give, you know, care about it, you know, for me as a club fitter, if I knew Arcos data of like, okay, so their drives are missing more right than left, um, you know, they have this. The only reason why I say that is, is because, you and I are golfers, and I bet you I can challenge you, Sean. If I were to ask you, and you weren't like a person that was in tuned with golf, how far you hit your eight iron, you're going to give me your max eight iron distance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reality of it is, is that's not how far we hit our six iron, our eight iron on average. And so if we're planning for that, we're probably not hitting this close to a, a pin as we should. And so having that data as a club fitter and helping you zero in a bag and understanding your yardages and everything else, I think is extremely powerful for a fitter and the customer to marriage a set with. So I'll tell people I hit my air in 155, but it almost never re actually reaches 155, right? Usually it's probably like 150 to 152 that's actually, you know, finishing. <laughs> and, that, and it just goes further to our point at Club Champion is, is, this isn't about selling you golf clubs. Yes, we're in the business of selling golf clubs. I'm not running from that. But my point is, is we're selling you golf clubs for a purpose. Set up a bag that's going to give you the maximum ability to play your best golf. It's not always about distance. It's not always about accuracy. It's not always about everything. Everybody plays a different game of golf, it's, but it's understanding your game. It's working with somebody who can understand your game and then setting you up with a set of golf clubs that gives you the best chance of success and growth. A couple of uh, random questions. How long does a session take? Because I think a lot of people imagine club fitting as like uh, you're going in for several hours, but I'm, I imagine that it's just it's different for different people, I guess. Well, it is. And, and honestly, it's it's so like a putter fitting's an hour, a driver and iron fittings are each an hour and a half if you were to schedule them individually. If you come in for a full bag, it's three and a half hours. It's a lot. I get it. Actually, I'm working on ways to kind of tone it down a little bit and get it a little narrower quicker. But we just have so many products, but you're not sw swinging the whole time. Part of this process is giving you that why we give you that range of time is allowing you to stay fresh. We don't want you rapid firing. Maybe you need to take a break. We got some snacks. We got some drinks, you know, stuff like that. We, we want to talk to you. We want to get to know you. We want to understand your game. So I get it. It's, it's quite a time restraint to get fit. But then again, I mean, you do it once every couple of years, okay? And so in order to, and you're making a big investment. I mean, it's amazing to me when people get mad that I show them an $800 driver 
when they were willing to walk into the store for five minutes and buy a $500 driver. It's like, okay, so you're going to walk into a store, hand over 500 bucks and walk out knowing nothing, or you spend an hour and a half and buy an $800 driver and know it exactly works for you. I don't, the argument doesn't work for me very well, but that's where people's, you know, part of why we're talking today, it's getting their brain to understand that logic because, you know, I get it. The golf industry's just done it that way forever. It doesn't make it right. And that's my argument all the time. I don't know the best way to ask this, but is there, is there one element of the golfing population's gear that is like the most, um, ill fit for them more than anything else? Like I, guess, I guess I'm imagining like people in improper driver shafts, for example, or is, is there one thing or is it not that simple? <laughs> it's not that simple. I would actually, I would, I'd probably work this way. I'd probably go wedges and putter. Um, I mean, putters 40% of the game. You use it on every hole pretty much. And not very many people have a fit for them. They just think it's this feel thing. And I'm like, well, feel is a component, but it's not, very important one of, of, of all the things I could run down a laundry list, loft, weight, length, uh, toe hang, you know, feel would be towards the bottom of more even than I didn't name there. So um, in wedges, I mean, it's scoring clubs. I mean, you look at the best players in the whether it's LPGA, PGA, PGA from 60 yards in scrambling statistic, it's like above 60%. So it doesn't matter where they're at. They're getting up and down from 60 yards six to seven times out of 10. How many times, if we were being honest with ourselves, are we doing that? And then you look at the wedges that people walk in with, the hodgepodge. Well, I have won that one at that event. My buddy gave me that one. I got that one out of a barrel. It's like, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that's bad. And maybe we can reuse these, but we need to make sure they're the right lengths. We need to make sure they're the right lies. Do they have the right lofts to gap you correctly? Do they have the right bounces? You know, so, but I mean, it, I could go through the whole bag of what's, you know, but I see that those are things that nobody talks about, except for when you come in. And then we also have to fight the battle of like, no, 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 I like my putter. And I'm like, well, I didn't see you on the leaderboard this weekend. So I'm sure you could be a little bit better. Um, you know, so it's interesting. But yeah, to your point, I mean, driver shafts now are getting more important. Like people are starting to understand the performance gains they can get out of a driver shaft that was a fight we had for a lot of years because people were like well the stock shaft's fine for me uh, i bet you there's a shaft they can get you a lot more so and by the way a driver shaft investment and a driver head investment are two different things just because one goes out of style doesn't mean the other does at the same time and so you know you make these investments it doesn't always have to be this big lump sum so the the uh looking at equipment and how how uh quickly it kind of you know turns over from model to model with how quickly the the industry tends to do that is it do you get kind of people who uh are a little bit hesitant to invest a lot in clubs just because of of that where they're you know it's like having an, an iphone 7 at this point where you're you're looking at it and you're going oh, I, I wish i had the 11 or 12 or, or is that not as much of a factor uh, for, for for people no, it's 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 definitely a factor. I mean, I don't hear it often, but I don't think people just say it as often as they think it. Um, I mean, we all think it, right? And you gave great examples like iPhones and computers and whatever. The only good news I have that's different from those examples is truly technology does change in those examples. Because of the USGA limitations that are put on these brands, yeah, every year they can make a driver that launches different or spins different, which may help you, right? But for the most part, I tell golfers, I go, listen, when we get you to that perfect smash factor and we get you to that perfect launch and that perfect spin, like 
listen, they can't make the face any hotter for you. So you're good. And we see that all the time from golfers that people come in that want, um, you know, they want a new driver that, and I fit them in for a driver, one of our fitters fit them for a driver two years ago. And we go in and we're like, listen, we can sell you that new driver. You're not gaining more than two yards. So you have to decide whether that's worth it or not. And they, you know, some people just want the new thing. So they go, it's worth it. And some people are like, thanks for the honesty. Well, that's, that's the key is you should never be afraid. Once you get to the pinnacle, there's no getting better until your body deteriorates or your swing deteriorates or both. There's no getting better. It's like the argument at the end of product life cycles. People go, well, maybe I should just wait for the new one. Well, I got you at perfect numbers right here. What happens is if you pass up on this and can't get it, and the new one doesn't do as good of a job as this one, because that's a possibility. It happens more often than people know. And that's why being so in tune with the numbers, and listen, you can learn as much, you can ask as much questions as you want in a fitting, but at the end of the day, our fitters are just going to show you that. And so it, that's that's what people need to realize is you don't have to have the latest and greatest unless you want it. That's the vanity part of it. That's, you know, um, and get and trust me, I get it. You're not going to hear me squabble. I, I want to have the newest and latest and greatest. But at the end of the day, if we're truly talking about performance, when that f- happens, just buy it. So the the end of the club fitting process, I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but are you, are you guys brand agnostic? Are you trying to push people into certain brands or what, what does the end of the process look like? Yeah. So it's, it, we're completely brand agnostic. You know, that's why when you walk into our stores, you don't see any of the, like the typical club displays and all that. We're trying to show you that we don't care. Honestly, we don't care. I, I think it's hilarious that people even do care in some senses because the margins are what the margins are in golf and have always been that way. And 22 years I've had, I've been in it. And so to me, unless you're really small, there's no reason to sell one over the other. Um, So our folks don't know what the margins are. They don't even know what quantity of clubs we have in stock. They don't know. They're not told any of that. It's all about performance, which is why we have our perfect guarantee, which says whatever you see in that bay is what happens in the golf course. We'll talk about that in a minute. But at the end of a fit, you've gone through all this data. You've gone through all these golf clubs. And at this point, you're probably locked in. You You and your fitter are locked in. You understand what's going on. You understand the components. You understand what the performance you're going to get. And so now you're going to get a build sheet that shows everything, like the whole whatever you were fit for. What kind of head, shaft, grip, what kind of tape underneath the grip, puring, length, lie, swing weight, tipping, all this stuff. And you're going to understand how a golf club gets built. And then, you know, we'll show you what it costs. You can decide to do some of it, all of it, or none of it and just pay for the fit. That's your choice. You leave with all that data. You leave with that build sheet. You leave with that sales order. You leave with the TrackMan data. And, um, you know, you can decide, like I said, you can decide to buy some of it, all of it, or none of it. And the best part is, and this is where I like it, because, you know, growing up not with a lot of money, always finding a way to buy those golf clubs. We even offer financing deals on golf clubs, which I'm surprised it took to us to really do that because every other industry does it. And golf clubs aren't cheap. It gives people a chance to get into something and, you know, earlier than having to save up a bunch of money for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you you briefly mentioned the the on-course part once somebody already has clubs. What What is that like? I, I guess, I mean, this probably doesn't happen very often, but if somebody goes out to the course and they, they realize, I actually don't really, I'm not really meshing with my wedges here. Is there a process where they can go back and tweak their equipment at that point? Yeah, so this is the biggest part, and this goes, you know, almost full circle back to my original experience that started this whole thing on tour, right? You watch these players, and sometimes they go into these vans, come out, 
smoke three drives and head to the first tee, right? And then sometimes you'd watch a player come out, hit two or three shots and go right back to the van. And so, you know, I know that there's not everything you do is going to be perfect. And the whole goal of this from the get-go, like I've been saying, is to get you golf clubs that perform. And so when I say perform, not just in our bay, out on the golf course, okay? And that's my biggest, another big thing I like golfers to understand is you go to, how many times have you gone to a demo day, hit a driver, you smoked it, went and played golf with your buddy, they had a driver, smoked it, went to the pro, went online, went, bought it, never to hit it that good again. Mm. Well, it's not that easy to build two golf clubs identical every time. I mean, it's just not. And so one of the things we do is you can buy a golf club here the same way you could buy anywhere else. We're not going to turn you away if that's what you want. But we're trying to show you that when we custom build it to your specs with tight tolerances, with the same machinery that's all calibrated, that we can guarantee the performance that you saw in the bay that you got excited about out on the golf course. And if you don't see that, we know we're somewhere close and we controlled everything. You're going to come back in. We're going to get back on the machine. We're going to listen to what's happening, and we'll make any tweaks necessary in order to get it to the performance that you bought on. And I think that's so important is I don't want people's golf clubs sitting in the trash. If they don't aren't happy, they need to come back. And, you know, we follow up with our clients too, so hopefully us following up leads to the discussion as well. But as long as somebody tells us, hey, you know what, I know in the Bay it was showing me this, but I'm doing this. Okay, come back in. Let's see what we need to tweak. Because sometimes that needs to happen, and we're not going to turn you away, and we're not going to charge you more money for it. In what percentage of time would you say, you know, roughly that that happens? Is that like a very common thing for people to come back in? No. I mean, the reality of it is, is we, that's why, I mean, the fittings are so long. We spend so much time making sure that we get to the right finishing point, that everybody's happy, that customers had a lot of time to experience the product. We've had a lot of data to support it, that it doesn't, but it does happen. I don't know what the percentage is. I could probably look it up. I want to say it's under five, it's 5% or under that people come back. And a lot of times it's easy stuff. We just need to change a setting or do a little lie tweak. But sometimes it's, you know, we just whiffed on the shaft or whatever, and we have to swap things out. I mean, listen, we'll let the data drive it. Um, and we always have, like, all the data from each session. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a part of our business. It's very important. We want people to feel comfortable. And for us, we want that customer out there performing best. That's our best form. of. That's one of the ways. I mean, yeah, we have a marketing budget. And, yes, you see us market. But at the end of the day, our number one tracker of marketing is customer referral. And customer referral comes, we know when that person goes out on the first tee, smokes at 20 yards past where they were the last time, and their buddy turns around and goes, whoa, what what happened there? You know, well, I don't want to really tell you, but I went and got this driver. And yeah, it's a little expensive, but holy smokes, does it go far? And then before you know it, the rest of the group starts coming in. And it's been that way for 20 years. It's a glorious thing. That's what we want. We want happy customers that are referring and people are seeing the difference. And that's why they come here. There's nothing like word of mouth on the golf course, right? <laughs> we all look at we all look at the equipment that somebody else plays. We all look at how they play the game. That's just kind of a natural thing that we all do. L- last thing, are there any other myths in the in the club fitting uh, business that people come in with? Any other preconceived notions that people come in with that you kind of you you think you think no 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 you're you're completely off base with that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you said the, you went straight after the, the my level isn't good enough. This, the second yeah. heaviest one is, it's too expensive for me. It's too expensive mm-hmm. for me. And I'm like, okay, 
so here's my i'm gonna go on my soapbox here sean okay so and here so i moved from central illinois up to chicago because my dad graduated he didn't go to college he didn't do all those things he's a classic small time kind of guy but he went back and he and he got his degree he actually graduated college when i graduated eighth grade and he moved up here to become a financial planner changed to help from being a third shift printer to a financial planner it's a great story but that's his story but long story short is one of the things he's taught me through this process is you know how investments and one of the things about investments he's taught me is time value of money okay and so you know he was he, he didn't become a golfer until well after i became a golfer and him understanding he would have been stuck in i'm not good enough and it's too much money for him because he's kind of a frugal guy so i finally get him in here and he he and he got the golf clubs and he played great golf and I mean, for his abilities, playing great golf, and he loved it. He goes, Nick, here's how I look at it now that I've, I've had the time to look at it. Now I preach this because it, it, it makes complete sense. He goes, most golfers play golf, if they're your golfers, you play golf once a week, okay? Let's just call that once a week. And, you know, that's five hours on a golf course, okay? Four to five hours, plus the time you listen to golf on the radio or listen to a podcast like this or you read a magazine or whatever. Let's call it five to six hours a week. He goes, that's conservative for most golfers. It's going to be a very spread wide. He goes, let's think about all the things we do in our life for five to six hours a week. We sleep, we eat, we go to work, we hang out with our family because we got to put them. Okay. There's not now, maybe people can say their cell phone, but uh, obviously, <laughs> but um, you know, okay, we'll call it six, five or six golf. Now is a five to six time consumption thing in your life. So he goes, when I started thinking about it like that, like if I'm going to, this is going to be a top five, six time suck in my life. And it's something I love to do. So that's why I do it. What's the difference between uh, let's say across an entire golf bag from going off the rack to custom, you know, built. Well, we're talking a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred, something like that. He goes once every five years. He goes, it's nothing. It's peanuts. And he goes, I don't care if you got a dollar in your name or you got, you know, five hundred million dollars in your name. He goes, when you really look at it, you could find areas that make no sense that you spend money, and yet this is one you're questioning, and you really shouldn't be questioning. And um, I also told him, I said, you know, if I ever golf never work, pay, doesn't pan out long term in life, I go, I'm going to sell beds based off your experience because you're right. Why wouldn't everybody buy the most the nicest bed and have the greatest nice sleep? But uh, it's the same math. So I just sit there and I tell people, I go, you can be afraid of what you're going to spend. But first of all, you don't have to spend it that day. You're, you're coming in for a fit to get the blueprint to understand the value, understand what you are leaving on the table. Are you leaving two yards on the table? You leave in 20 yards on the table. Those are two different things. I wouldn't expect you to buy an expensive driver for two yards unless you want to. But for 20 yards, I would expect you to buy whatever driver it is. Um, so I guess my point is, is, you know, when people ask me it's too expensive, first of all, you don't know how expensive it is. Second of all, you don't know what you're going to get out of it. So those two things come in, figure, commit to the fit, get fitting, understand what it is, and then go from there. Whether you buy some of it that day, you work out a payment plan, you get, you know, financing, whatever. There's multiple ways to do it. You can build this bag over a year. We have all the blueprints now. Call me every two months after you save up some money and get another club. Whatever you want to do, but at least you know what you're leaving on the table. Don't get caught up on the cost because you don't understand it yet. Mm. And, and if you add up, if you're playing golf once a week and you add up all all the money you're spending on on playing golf or yeah. golf balls or everything that comes with it, why would you not want to 
maximize your enjoyment of that period if you're already investing in all that in that time i mean it makes sense right absolutely it makes complete sense yeah well nick thank you so much for coming on this is a, this is a joyous our first uh, venture into, into club fitting on our, our on our podcast and this was a perfect introduction for all of our listeners so thank you so much for for coming on and enjoy your trip to uh to sunny florida it should be a nice uh, departure from uh from the cold right yeah thank you i'm looking forward to it Thanks again to Nick for coming on the podcast. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can email me directly at sean at graph.golf. Our next podcast will be this upcoming Monday, February 21st. We'll keep it a surprise for now, but we'll have another behind the ball episode taking a deeper look into our process as a company. So be on the lookout for that. We will see you again next week. Cheers. Cheers.